I'm reading The Tale of Genji, and this is said to be the first ever novel written. I must do my research to find out if it was in history, but I kind of doubt it. But it's definitely the first one in Japan that's ever been recorded, and it's made it this far. But there's a few things you should know about this book before kind of diving into it. So first off, um, this was written by a court noblewoman named Murasaki Shikubu. And basically court women back in the day of Japan were bored. So she was able to write this... Oh, let's see. 1,319 page fine print book because of how bored she was. Anyway. So in this tale, you will see a lot of, I think it's called polygamy. Uh, this Genji person will have a lot of sex with women, but it's rather discreet. It's very interesting. Um, it's not graphic at all. And so just be aware of that. But you need to know that that was actually very expected of Japanese culture was to play this flirting game. Um, to go to many women and many men and... Sh share your love. If you want to know more, go to YouTube, Linfamy, L-I-N-F-A-M-Y, and he has amazing stuff that can teach you all about this. But anyway, they do a flirting game, and it's a little bit of sorrow and anguish and kind of pathetic. <laughs> um... But that's kind of what I really love about this book, is it really shares a true renditioning of what romance was like in ancient Japan. Um, another thing that you need to know is sorrow is beautiful in ancient Japan. Being sorrowful and mourning, there is so much of that in this, that it gets kind of repetitive. So, when you read this or listen to this, just know to expect a lot of affairs, a lot of anguish, and a lot of beautiful sorrow. Oh, and a lot of poetry. That was also their flirting. They didn't have texting back then. So, I hope you enjoy The Tale of Genji. As told by Murasaki Shikibu. The Tale of Genji Written by Murasaki Shikibu Unabridged version, translated by Dennis Washburn. Chapter One Kiritsubo 
the lady of the palo one the lady of the paloania courtyard chambers in whose reign it in whose reign was it that a woman of rather undistinguished lineage captured the heart of the emperor and enjoyed his favor above all the other imperial wives and concubines certain consorts whose high noble status gave them a sense of vain enlightenment despised and reviled her in an unworthy upstart from the very moment she began her service ladies of lower rank were even more vexed for they knew his majesty would never bestow the same degree of affection and attention on them as a result the mere presence of this woman at morning rites or evening ceremonies seemed to provoke hostile reactions among her rivals and the anxiety she suffered as a consequence of these ever increasing displays of jealousy was such a heavy burden that gradually her health began to fail His majesty could see how forlorn she was how often she returned to her family home he felt sorry for her and wanted to help and though he could scarcely afford to ignore the admo the admonitions of his advisers his behavior eventually became the subject of palace gossip ranking courtier ranking courtors and attendants found it difficult to stand by and observe the troubling situation which they viewed as deplorable they were fully aware that a similar similarly they were fully aware that a similarly ill-fated romance had thrown the chinese state into chaos concern and consternation gradually spread through the court since it appeared that nothing could be done many considered the relationship scandalous so much so that some openly referred to the example of the prize consort yang the only thing that made it possible for the woman to continue to serve was the emperor's gracious devotion the woman's father had risen to the third rank as a major counselor before he died her mother the principal wife of her father was a woman of old-fashioned upbringing and character who was well trained in the customs and rituals of the court thus the reputation of her house was considered in no way inferior and did not suffer by comparison with the brilliance of the highest nobility unfortunately her father had no patrons who would could provide political support and after her father's death there was no one she could rely on in the end she found herself at the mercy of events and with uncertain prospects Was she not then 
bound to the emperor by some deep love from a previous life. For in spite of her travail, for in spite of her travails, she eventually bore him a son, a pure, radiant gem like nothing of this world. Following the child's birth, his majesty had to wait impatiently, wondering when he would finally be allowed to see the boy. As soon as it could be ritually sanctioned, he had the infant brought from the home of the woman's mother, where the birth had taken place, and the instant he gazed on the child's countenance, he recognized a rare beauty. Now, as it so happened, the crown prince had been born three years earlier to the Corcaden consort, who was the daughter of the minister of the right, as the unquestioned heir to the throne. The boy had many supporters and courtiers, all treated him with the utmost respect and difference. He was, however, no match for the radiant beauty of the newborn prince, and even though the emperor was bound to acknowledge the higher status of his older son and to favor him in public, in private he could not resist treating the younger prince as his favorite and lavishing upon him. And lavishing attention upon him. The mother of the newborn prince did not come from a family of the highest rank, but neither was she of such low status that she should have been constantly by the emperor's side like a common servant. Certainly her reputation was flawless, and she comported herself with noble dignity, but because his majesty obviously kept her near him, Willfully demanding that they not be separated, she had to be in attendance at all formal court performances or elegant entertainments. There were times when she would spend the night with him and then be obliged to continue in service the following day. Consequently, as one might expect, other quarters came to look down on her, not only as a person of no significance, but also as a woman who lacked any sense of property. Propriety. But also as a woman who lacked any sense of property. Moreover, because the emperor treated her with special regard following the birth of his second son, the Kokienden consort and her support supporters the Kokienden consort and her supporters grew anxious they worried about the effect of such an infatuation on the prospects of the crown prince and wondered if the younger prince might not surpass his half brother in favor and usurp of position the Kokienden consort had been the emperor's first wife she had arrived at the pl- palace before 
She had arrived at the palace before all the other women, and so his majesty's feelings of affection for her were in no way ordinary. He considered her prostance troubling. He considered her protests troubling, but he also had to acknowledge that she was deserving of sympathy, since she had given him two imperial princesses in addition to the crown prince. Even though the mother of the newborn prince relied on the emperor's benevolence for protection, many of the ladies at court scorned her. She grew physically weak, and because she felt powerless and had no one to turn to for help, she suffered greatly because of his love. Her chambers at the palace were in the Kiritsubo, named for its courtyard, which graced with Palowinya, named for its courtyard, which was graced by Palowinia trees. Because the Kiritsubo, because the Kiritsubo was in the northeast corner of the palace, and thus separated from the emperor's quarters in the Seren, in the Seryoden, he would have to pass by the chambers of many of the other court ladies on his frequent visits to her. The resentment of these displays was not all unreasonable, and so it was decided that the woman herself would have to go more often to the Seryoden. The more she went, however, the more her rivals would strew the covered passageways connecting the various parts of the palace with filth. It was an absolutely intolerable situation for the hems of the robes of the accompanying attendants would be soiled. On other occasions, when the woman could not avoid taking the interior hallways, her rivals would arrange for the doors at both ends to be closed off so that she could neither proceed forward nor turn back, trapping her inside and making her feel utterly wretched. As the number of these cruel incidents mounted, His Majesty felt sorry that his beloved should have to suffer so, and ordered that she be installed in the chambers of the Koroden, a hall next to the Seryoden. To do so, however, he had to move the lady who has resided there from the very beginning of her service at court to other quarters causing her to nurse a deep resentment that proved impossible to placate.